Fast Money starts right now live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York's Times Square. I'm Scott Wapner. Our traders on the desk tonight, Pete Nigerian, Tim Seymour, Dan Nathan, and Guy Adami. Tonight on Fast, pre-orders for the new crop of iPhones off the charts. So why are shares of Apple falling? We'll explain. Plus, what's wrong with the banks? It should be financial nirvana out there, but the stocks are stuck in the mud. The chart master is going to tell us why there could be more pain ahead. But first, we start with the big story of the day, the trade war rearing its ugly head yet again. Let's go to Eamon Javers right now in D.C. for details on this developing story. Eamon. Scott, it's 5 o'clock on a Friday. I'm going to go ahead and just call it. I don't think we're going to get Chinese tariffs this week. That has been the storyline of the week, just speculation about whether or not the president was going to pull the trigger on the $200 billion in Chinese tariffs that the U.S. Trade Representative's Office has been working on for the past several months. Nothing as of yet and nothing expected today. So uh, the White House putting out a, a sort of a maddeningly vague statement about all this, saying the president has been clear that he and his administration will continue to take action to address China's unfair trade practices. We encourage China to address the longstanding concerns raised by the United States. The White House not specifying at all what action it is that the president is going to take or not take, but saying that he's going to continue to take it whatever it may be. So leaving us at a little bit of loose ends here at the end of the week, here's how we got to where we are now. There are $50 billion of tariffs in place now on the Chinese. The U.S. Trade Representative's Office uh, on June 18th was directed by the president to identify tariffs on $200 billion more to figure out which products would be uh, have tariffs and what rate those tariffs would be. So on July 10th, the USTR initiated that process. And then on September 6th, the comment period ended on that. And so that's why a lot of folks were suspecting that this week, after that September 6th date, was the week we would see those tariffs. The president had tweeted that they might be coming last weekend. But uh, as I say, here we are Friday evening and we don't have those tariffs yet. So we'll see what happens maybe next week, guys. Eamon Javers, good weekend to you. Thank you very much you. from the North Lawn of the White House, as always. Take a look at the market reaction today. When those reports hit that President Trump said he wanted to push forward with $200 billion in tariffs, well, that took the Dow down. See that big reversal there? About 100 points and fairly quickly bounced off those lows, though, rallying into the close. Industrials perhaps most sensitive to the trade war headlines, closing higher. Guy, I think the market, by and large, wants to bet on us winning the trade war, but you see today with these headlines and tweets or what have you that things can get upset at least for a little while. Market is, I mean, we are winning the trade war, and if you just, if the market's the only gauge, I mean, the S&P closed above 2,900. Pete can speak to the VIX, closes basically at 12, down again on the day, continues to go lower. So effectively, we are. Jap Chinese market's down 24%. We're effectively unchanged, maybe even a little bit higher than when all this rhetoric started. I'll say this, though. I think we're underestimating the resolve of the Chinese. I'll say again, why would they, if they've waited this long, why would they make a deal before midterm elections, which we have about a month and a half, two months for, or before the end of the year, quite frankly, especially with all the rhetoric surrounding the Trump administration? So I think we're underestimating the resolve of the Chinese, in my opinion. Yeah. Dan, I mean, you know, David Tepper telling me yesterday that the trade war was sort of the single biggest unknown. Uh, the trickiest thing, in his words, to try and figure out as an investor whether you're somebody with the acumen of a David Tepper or mom-and-pop investor out there maybe watching right now. Yeah, so I think at this point it's kind of interesting because we just saw that consumer confidence print this morning above 100, pretty high print here, and it doesn't seem consumers are too bothered by $50 billion in tariffs we have right now. I think it's important. I don't think the president understands this. It's not like we're receiving money for those tariffs. It's really in the form of higher prices for our consumers. So all of a sudden, they slap on 
on $200 billion of tariffs and they get these retaliations, this is where the consumer starts to get hits here. So, you know, as we head into the holiday season, these are the things that you have to start to consider when we're thinking about forward, gui forward guidance, we're thinking about how companies are going to guide and how, uh, how confident consumers are. So to me, I actually think it really does have the potential to ratchet up and really trip up markets here in the next couple of months. Tim, this, well, and, yeah, this so what, news also, you know, did happen to come, we, we should point out, um, right in the midst of the frenzy over the Manafort yep. news out of D.C. that he was making a deal with the, uh, the with the special counsel. Which forces us to confront the issue, what's more important for the market right now? Is it, you know, potential chaos in, in the White House or is it actually a trade war? And I, I, I think it's absolutely trade war because uh, we've talked about on this show before, w whether it's policy that's already in the rearview mirror that's significantly uh, beneficial and a tailwind that I think we'll keep on giving. But also, uh, the reality is, as we're all talking, this trade war is, is something that I think could be potentially much more destructive than the market is pricing in. I, I'm not going to say, hey, high five, nice job, we just won this thing. In fact, I would argue, I would look around the world and I would say, uh, if, if the rest of the world's economy and a, at a fragile time in the global recovery is now printing PMIs that are south of 50 in some parts of Asia, and actually we're seeing significantly lower confidence indicators in Europe, even despite the fact that small business and workers in this country arguably have never been happier. I don't think you can exist that long. And I just, my view on the trade wars, this isn't about manufacturing jobs. This isn't about um, do we get some better equilibrium. This is all about control of the internet and trade data in 2025 made in China. Yeah. And it all depends, you know, uh, Pete, on, on where it's all going to shake out. Yeah. How much the market, let's say, if, you know, if these tariffs really go into effect and you get an escalation of the the trade war, what that means to the downside to the S&P, or if you get a deal with China, what it means to the upside. Yeah, and, and no I, one can seemingly figure that out. Right. And I, I, I look to more of the upside because I think this is more of a negotiation tactic. I, I, I don't, you know, none of us will know until it happens, but we all know that that's something that Mr. Trump has put out there many, many times about negotiating and how he's going to be doing this. And Tepper called it tricky. You know, when you look at the market itself right now, though, Scott, and Guy brought it up, I mean, you look at the volatility index, it is not indicating at all right now that people are saying, hey, gosh, we're really concerned. This thing's going to the downside. If anything, I'm seeing more upside activity in the big major indexes. I'm seeing people trying to play for upside, not just in the United States, but even around the globe. Hey, I think we, we put it forth at the very beginning in the way we framed it to, to Guy, that the yeah. market clearly is betting right. on some, some sort of positive outcome. Resolution if of not, this. you wouldn't be where you are right. in the major averages yeah. today. Now, the 10% number to the upside, I'm not so sure that's there, but I think I could easily see a 5% move off of something like this because the market is waiting for something, and this is the catalyst. And when you look across for catalysts, but this is number one. It's not so much what's going on in the White House so itself. Well, so, but it is, okay, because earlier this, week, it, this is earlier this week, we saw Larry Kudlow, the National Economic Advisor, speak to some optimism about getting a trade deal. We saw yep. Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, yesterday, and the President comes out and he just shuts the whole thing down. And so to me, I think this all has to, it's going down a parallel path with everything else that you just mentioned about the Manafort thing. We have an increasingly compromised president. And therefore, it goes back to what we're talking about when Guy says the Chinese, they don't have to actually blink right now. They can but, wait and but, see but this thing out a little bit. I would argue, Dan, that you know whether the president's compromised or not, and I don't even want to opine on that, the guys that are in place that are putting forth this trade policy, they're going nowhere. I mean, bottom line is this is a group of guys that have been waiting to do this to China for a long time. And I think there's some elements of what's going on here that actually makes sense. So, but the I, irony I, is, is, is Kudlow and Mnuchin don't want to do it. Look, part of my point well, in, in saying I, what I did earlier is that who knows whether this headline that comes out about trade was 
anything more than misdirection, change the subject in the face of some pretty damaging uh, potential headlines about the Manafort deal that had all consumed um, all of us for, for a matter of, of time. The markets maybe didn't react all that uh, strongly to it, but nonetheless, anytime there's been one of these tweets and the market's gotten upset or a headline that's negative on trade, it's been quick. It's been quick, quick down, and then it's how been about forgotten the about of the market today an hour or a day or whatever later, the markets come right and back And how about up. the fact that the market moves down 100 points from where it was? It was up 50, it was down 50, and then suddenly you look at it towards the end of the day, and you're saying, hey, look, the industrials look strong for the majority of the day. Financials, I know, didn't move enough, but if you look at certain elements of the financial world, the insurance, the prudentials of the world, the linkages of the world, they were all up significantly to the upside. Well, look at the so, industrials. If the industrials right. were so worried Boys. about this thing getting yeah. worse with China, that chart wouldn't look like it does, would it? Well, I mean, but, but and I know that like, steel companies are not indicative of the market, but, but why are steel companies who've never had higher steel prices and are increasing capacity utilization trading as if they're going out of business? And that tells you that those companies that are on the front line of what's going on, I think, are vulnerable and, and are exposed. And I don't think the market's but, paying attention but, to but, that. But, but so the market, we have the S&P 500. It's the only major equity index in the world that's really up, right? That and the NASDAQ, obviously. So in the U.S. here, we're up 8.5%. Every other major equity index is down. Maybe they're kind of telling us something. Maybe letter X, your U.S. deal, is kind of telling us because the higher we ratchet up this trade war, the slower we're getting for this global economic recovery that we're supposedly in. So to me, I think it actually poses Forget about our equity markets. So forget about looking at the VIX at 12 or 13 or the S&P 500 at 29.04. What else is going around right here? And do we have the potential for all of this kind of seeping growth globally to kind of work its way back in here towards the end of the year in early 2019? Yeah. May I ask a quick question? What holiday season? I mean, September. What are you talking about? Like Columbus Day <laughs> holiday season? Don't, Don't throw anything at me. It's going to be here. It's Indigenous People Day. It's not going to be here before you know it. Consumer spending into the Christmas holiday I'm kidding around. There, Take a shot. joke. It's Whoa, Friday. I'm not a hotshot. And quickly, the other <laughs> side of your steel, there has been a steel stock that's done actually very well. It was up 3.5%. We did a power pitch a while back. Cleveland Cliffs trades like somebody's about to buy it. So U.S. Steel has traded awful. Cleveland Cliffs bouncing. So there is some sort of dichotomy at least there. All right, coming up, it was a big week for Apple as its new crop of products officially for sale now. It wasn't such a big week for the stock, though. We're going to tell you what had some traders hitting the pause button. Plus, cannabis stocks getting crushed today as a potential U.S. crackdown cools off that space. Got those details ahead. We're live from the NASDAQ in Times Square, and there is much more Fast Money right after this. Apple iPhone pre-orders kicking off today. Let's get to Josh Lipton in San Francisco with those details. Hey, Josh. Scott, pre-orders did begin at midnight for Apple's new high-end iPhones. Now analysts, investors try and read the tea leaves here. Availability for that new iPhone 10s Max, it's been pushed out, as you can see here on Apple's online store, within one to two weeks across multiple storage configurations. Same goes for some models of that new iPhone 10s with its 5.8-inch display. I spoke with Gene Munster over at Loop Ventures. Now he says, compared to the iPhone 10 launch last 
last year, this year's lead times are actually generally shorter based on his research, meaning you're not having to wait as long for these new models. Specifically, compared to the iPhone 10 launch last year, this year's iPhone 10s lead times were on average 68% shorter, and the 10s Max lead times were 43% shorter. Now, shorter lead times could indicate softer demand, though Munster did emphasize to me that this is not an exact science, he says, because we don't know, he points out, how many phones Apple's actually producing right now. Munster says the moment of truth for him is going to be lead times, though, for that new 10R, which hits next month. That's the device he's predicting is going to be the company's most popular model in the quarters ahead. Scott, back to you. All right, Josh, thanks so much. Josh Lipton out in San Francisco for us. You got the new phone? Pre-ordered it already, wow. didn't you? Well, listen, I, I think what's really interesting is that we talked about it the other night. when well, they That was had a yes or meeting. no question. I mean, what's that? Are you, no, just, are I, you I, deflecting? Listen, 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 this just immediately went on. Are you deflecting? If you <laughs> bought an iPhone uh, iPhone 10 he last year. He literally did. Still, still, still deflecting. Still did you I bought buy? an iPhone 8 last year, okay? It was the first time that in, since Whoa. 2007 hey, when they introduced the iPhone that I did not buy their highest end phone that they had. And I think this is going to be an issue okay, as we think about these. Look, this is usually a sell on the news thing, is it not? Like the, <laughs> well, I tell you what, if you look at the oh, I don't itself, get to finish. So my point well, is, you stopped. last well, night, like stop. you, you were sure able did. to order the XS and the X Max, which is the upgrade of last year's phone, okay? And then on October 26th, you're going to be able to get this new XR, which is a version of this uh, iPhone 8, which is going to be a larger phone. They do not have a smaller phone other than the 8 and the 7. It's a really, really confusing landscape, okay? So when they report at the end of October, it's going to be like, who knows what the heck the units are going to be like? And I just think that that's really important to get your arms around, because I think it's confusing for consumers. It, not only the Names are concerned. It is, Dan, but yeah. I, the touch, good news, touch, the good the news for Apple stockholders, clearly, um, he still hasn't answered the question, um, <laughs> is, is that the, the product release cycle, the, the refresh cycle, whatever this is, because this wasn't really a new product, it was yeah. a bigger, faster, stronger, there was nothing new in there. The good news for Apple, no one even cares. These, these moments have been de-risked. I actually think it's great news for the stock. No one cares that they actually have to innovate like crazy. And people, at least in the short run, that's not what they're playing. By the way, a year ago, that release was totally fraught with problems and, and bottlenecks and, and confusion on the SKUs. So I'm not worried. I look at the average selling price, which is something, if, if you look at 2019, up $60 from where it is right now, from 739 That's huge. I mean, this is something I think that's going to be very, very big for Apple. Now, was it completely innovative? No. The watch is, though. I think what they've done with the watch, with the new chip and everything, far more efficient, much more health conscious. You didn't that, that is watch? something. The, the watch is really killer. And by the way, at $399, their margins are unbelievable on that thing. But Apple continues to work in the wearables area. That's the area we, I continue to hit on in terms of growth. That's going to be a. They're already putting records out every single quarter with the watch. This one will be. What's the high in this stock? Two twenty nine, two fifty, all time high. Two twenty nine, two thirty. So we're six dollars. So we're six away. bucks off. So yep. if you do the math and we play this game, you're, in my opinion, I think Katie Huberty, Pete knows her very well. She put a two hundred forty one dollar price target. Raised two bucks. You get it there. I mean, it gets there I think basically UBS by this next week year's did it, earnings. Put a Eighteen on. multiple. UBS so this week. Let's play the game. Two forty to two fifty, and I think that is probably the upper end. But in this environment, Carter Braxton Worth talked about it the other day. I mean, percent upside. Pardon me? CBW did. You'll see him later. You're going to see CBW's on the You're doing OA. By the way, thanks for being here, Scott. Friday night, you no. know, God bless you. No, so I didn't lost my train of thought. That's what happened. Looking out. 240 upside, I think there's a chance you could see it back and fill back down to 185, 190. So you have to ask yourself, do you hold it and not trade it as Jim Cramer says and as Pete says all the time? Or you try to trade around this level? That's really the option yeah, right now. Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting. Last though, two weeks you, ago Dan. with Becky Quick when Warren Buffett said, well, I'd love to see the thing down 10% from here. And I actually think if you look at it, 
down 10% is really when it went parabolic in front of this event. So when you think about that, it's going to be kind of messy. I think it's kind of gaming what the units think. I think you're right about the watch. I think this has the potential to really accelerate those sales. But again, other products is 7% of their total sales. It's not really moving the needle. So, you know, are they expanding the ecosystem? Are they doing all the things that make sense? Yes, I don't think you're going to have a lot of clarity before, until we get to Q, uh, fiscal Q4 guidance or whatever it is, um, and that's not going to be for a lot. We okay. got phones ringing. We, we got, got people banging on the ceiling. We got angry Dan. We got to go to a commercial. on a Friday night. Listen. And my collar's sticking up. And, you, and then Sister Patrol over there. <laughs> Sister Flying Nun. Yeah. Put a weight right. on the guy. He could fly I'm, away. I could fly away. <laughs> be careful. Just grab me. Put your seatbelt on. Man. All right. Crowd. up. Share, <laughs> share some Netflix. They're higher this year, up 90%, but it's no longer the only game in town. The competition is heating up. We have those details coming up. In the meantime, here's what else is coming up on Fast. <laughs> Pot stocks got smoked today on a report the U.S. government could block cannabis workers from entering the country. We'll tell you what it could mean for the group. Plus, talk about a bank job. This is a robbery. Rates are rising, but banks can't seem to go much higher. We'll tell you how to cash in when Fast Money returns. All right, welcome back to Fast Money. U.S. officials looking to crack down on Canadian cannabis industry investors and workers. Aditi Roy's got the details from San Francisco. Good evening, Aditi. Hi there, Scott. Pot stocks plunge at the open following the report last night that Canadians involved in the marijuana business might not be allowed to enter the U.S., even after marijuana is legalized in Canada next month. A U.S. Customs and Border Protection official telling me that under long-standing U.S. federal laws, any Canadian who works or invests in the cannabis industry or has even used marijuana in the past could be turned away at the border and may even risk a lifetime ban on travel to the U.S. Customs and Border Protection says this would even apply to Canadian marijuana companies that are on U.S. stock exchanges and not involved in any cannabis business in the U.S. Border Protection officials say that each inspection, though, is different and officers do have discretion. Todd Owen with U.S. Customs and Border Protection says our officers are not going to be asking everyone whether they have used marijuana, but if other questions lead there or if there's a smell coming from the car, they might ask. A more common question they could ask is about someone's work. If a Canadian reveals they are employed at a cannabis company, they could be denied access into the U.S. Officials decline to speculate how often this issue occurs, but one Canadian employee of a legal marijuana company tells me they have traveled back and forth across the border without any issue, even after disclosing during questioning that they work in the cannabis industry. And Scott, while many of the stocks did recover throughout the session, we have been seeing sell-off in the past few days. Okay, Aditi, thank you so much. Aditi Roy out in San Francisco for us. You want to trade it? Yeah, so, so first of all, the reason the stock sold off was not this news. The reason the stock sold off was there was a downgrade in the sector by Canaccord, who's you know, one of the big names. Uh, things had gone parabolic in the last two weeks, and you got to a place where some sanity came into the fold. The reality in the politics, this is not a particularly new story. Um, and I, I just think that the politics of cannabis in this country have never been better. Okay. The states are, are continuing to see huge revenue gains. By the way, that trickles down to people, taxpayers who are getting uh, the benefit of that. And ultimately, there's no turning back. At the midterm elections, there's going to be huge legislative victories, I think, in, in Dakotas, in Texas. And we know what's going on on the East Coast. I mean, it's about to flip. So, look, the Fed is fighting hard. But I believe the Trump administration believes that the cannabis is actually a very bullish political football for them with veterans, et cetera. They're not going to turn away from this. 
one stock over any other that, I mean, Canopy is the one that gets all the, the Look, pub. I, I think the, the reality is some of those valuations are very challenging at this point. But, you know, the, it, you have to play with some of the bigger names because I think they're going to continue to take market share. Um, it doesn't mean that there aren't great companies trading in Canada that are going to continue to be part of the consolidation process. And one of the companies, if you want to avoid a little bit of the volatility, is Constellation Brands. And why? Because they bought exactly what you're talking yep. about. Their investments have gotten bigger and bigger into that, Scott. And so when you look at where they have positioned themselves, alcohol, company now all of a sudden adding all of this I think that combination is something very interesting is it going to hit anytime very soon probably not but I think overall in the longer term that's a stock you want to own and real oh good well, yeah, well, what do you do though I mean you've been all over the story for months now and these stocks are up to, you know 100 percent 200 percent in some cases Tilray has a 10 billion dollar market how do you play the space how do you get exposure you're in a bubble here one of the things that we've talked about in the past is certainly with some of these names that have been rockets to the moon I wouldn't be selling upside calls but I wouldn't be naked you know at the end of the day or if you get called away you better jump right back in there and get them but look at valuations and again the way people should be looking at valuations is probably unfunded capacity it's also going to soon be about revenues, and then it'll be about EBITDA. But take a look at valuations. They matter, and the market's starting to discriminate. Right. Uh, getting some tweets coming in. People want to know Dan's, the answer. Uh, they noticed you didn't answer the question. They want to know if you got ordered the new iPhone I or did not. order it. I'll probably report. I, I think it's a ripoff off in a thousand I think the stock bucks. could be up on Monday. I, I really do. I think I the just, stock I, could be up on Monday if Dan actually did buy it. All right. So people know. wanted to know. I'm not going <laughs> to leave anybody hanging over the weekend. Final trades. What do you got? I'm going to go with CSX. I think the rails right now have been on fire. I think they continue, and I think CSX is one of the better names. Jimmy. Consumer has not been happier in a long time. Letter M, Macy's, I think they continue to turn it around. Mr. Nathan. Yeah, shout out to Steve up in Maine. Big fan of the show. Recover here, buddy. And stay tuned. XLF, we're going to uh, define risk short on OA. Right nice. after this. Oh, I can't wait. Yeah. Oh, oh, awesome. awesome. What will Dan do next? Shout out. He's a big guy. Steve, guy Dami. Steve, feel better. So, you know, you do a show at, at, called the Halftime Report. Great show, Thank you. you do an yeah. un unbelievable Thank job. Thank you very much. Yeah. But we do a show here. You're, you're hosting the show. Thank we you. Share a, we share a page. We do. Her name is Michelle. Today is her last day. There she Ronald is right there. She's going on the One of the best we've ever had. One of the best we've ever had. Best we've ever had. Bravo, That's right. Michelle. Good luck. Good luck. Saying. With that, have a say. great weekend, everybody. No, wait. You got to get final trade. Final, final trade. trade. Where are you going? Go ahead. Don't go Hurry away. Up. Where are you See going? That guys? quarter Adobe had. Oh my God. Wow. Go All right, that does it for us. Horse. Catch us back here 5 p.m. Eastern <laughs> on Monday. Don't go anywhere. Options action <laughs> begins next. <laughs>